Saying to us, boys, I won't have a problem if you aim high and miss, but I'm going to have a real issue if you aim low and hit. That you get nothing for coming in last. And by the way, you can't just have it because you want it. He said, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Lucrative Lessons. We've got your boy Kyle Barger from Columbus, Ohio. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Trey Spiller from Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado. So we've got Season 2, Episode 6, coming to you with Sales Strategies Part 2. All right, so you've got your big fish, you've landed your big customer, you've had the meeting, you've had the sit-down, and you've made the sale. What do we do now? So... We want to reiterate a couple of things, and then we want to talk about how you can package sales, upsell, um, how you can get a little bit of icing on the cake, and then a referral for the perfect customer to go after next, right? So let's start off by reiterating the difference between a relational and transactional sale. Transactional sales are used car salesmen who are trying to sell 100 units that year and they could care less if that car works the minute you drive it off the parking lot. All they care about is getting you that contract signed and smell you later. We're talking about relational type sales. We want somebody who is your realtor, your car salesman, somebody who's selling you insurance, who is showing up to closing on your house with a bottle of wine and a $100 gift card to Lowe's, who is showing up when you buy that new car and they're throwing in you know, free car washes for a year or two free oil changes. We're talking about that person who's going to give you that wow factor, who wants your business the next time you buy that product or who wants your family member, your friend, your colleague to come to you for the same type of business. That is business that will continue to bear fruit for the rest of the time that you're in that role. A good example of this. So we've got two interns this summer. We've got a new uh, trader who joined the company. Uh, I'm going through some sales calls last week with these guys trying to a, cultivate business in an area that I used to work in years and years ago, and also just to uh, make some sales calls and catch up with some folks that I haven't talked to in almost 10 years. I called five of these guys, and not only did they remember my name, but without any kind of validation, asking questions about credit, money, anything like that, they were 100% open to doing business right then and there on the spot. And it was, there's no better feeling than that. That means that I took care of these guys when we did business. I went out of my way to make sure that they had the best customer service, that their contracts were lined up and any of their needs were met. So even 10 years later, when I thought I'd never do business with these guys again, because I treated them well, because I looked at it from a relationship standpoint, we're going to be doing business again today. I, I can't express more like importantly that you'd always need to have and train your, um, employees in that respect um whenever you're trading down uh each each member you have to understand that no at really any point even if it's out, outside of your business jurisdiction if you will these people always come back and they have different lines of business for you um whether you leave this company at one point and go into another business or you're staying with the company they go to another business to where they actually have um <clears throat> some sales power for you to bring in so I just don't understand the whole transactional model, um, but some people do treat it that way. But uh, you, you can't get any more out of that that relationship 
uh, model because you, you need to make sure you train all your guys to um, that it will lead into something at some day. You don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but you have to understand that, you know, bringing to, to that and understand the really the lifetime value of a customer, you know, for your core business and then outside businesses trying to start evaluating that. So it's just really you know, being a little more human with it rather than just trying to process volume. So I, I, I can't agree with you more uh, in making sure that you take care of your customers uh, fully. Absolutely. Now, now let me throw some, some figures behind this just to help, you know, bring the point home. When we're focusing on relationship type business, the probability of selling to an existing cu customer is 60 to 70%. So you've already got somebody who understands your product, who understands who you are and what you represent. You're not wasting any time on the intro calls, on explaining your product, on trying to get credibility or validation. 65% of most companies' business comes from existing customers. It's so easy when we start a business, when we start a brand, when we start sales, we think, okay, I've already sold Jim down the street. I need to go focus on new customers, new business. Or what could we be doing to call Jim down the street to see if there's an add-on sale, a package sale, or if Jim has a few friends that might be interested in this. Jim's recommendation is going to come way higher than you cold calling somebody else, right? Also, it costs 16 times more to bring in a new customer to, up to the same level as a current one. What that means is, again, you're wasting all this time. You're not wasting. You're using all of this time calling, cold calling, uh, vetting new customers, trying to explain who you are, what you represent, why your product's superior, why your service is superior, as opposed to just going back to an existing customer, finding an add-on sale, a package deal, or a referral. Yeah, yeah, I wanted I wanted to really touch base on that. So we talked about this in really the first um, episode of, of the sales of evaluating what a customer is worth, right? And a lot of times um, people have strategies of saying, let's give them a discount, let's give a entry point uh, or get our foot in the door, right? So whether it's a discounted sales or it's a, a loss leader that you can get your foot in the door, again, those numbers all represent the fact that if I can sell 16 times easier, um, to an existing client. So why not give them a freemium up front or why not give them a highly discounted rate to get your foot in the door if you have to? Um, we're actually currently working on an RFP right now where we're coming in at a zero, um, zero profit margin for a big time return uh, in a two-year deal on a, uh, one, of our, one of our states that we're talking to. So it's one of those things where we're not, we don't want to lose money on it, but we know the lifetime value of this customer. We will put us way over the top if we can secure this early on deal, right? So again, also have that as part of your sales strategy, understanding it's so much easier once you have your foot in the door there. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of providing discounts when you add so much value to a company, but you're exactly right. If you can catch a big enough fish that gives you either recognition in that industry, uh, a boatload of referrals, gives you validation in the industry that you're trying to break into, why not find some way to earn their business, whether it's a discount, whether it's even a break-even service, because you know that that's somebody who's going to lead to mm -hmm. significantly more business to referrals or to a bigger contract down the road once you've really proven yourself to them. Yeah, yeah. And really understanding what your customers are going to be doing, or your customers, I'm sorry, um, your your competitors are going to be doing in that respect. Um the reason why sometimes we go into a discount method is because we'll try to undercut and make sure we get our foot in the door. Um, trust me, no one likes discounts. No one likes devaluing the product uh, that they have or the service that they have. But if you can prove to yourself and you can show in the long run that it's actually not going to devalue because you don't have to discount downline, 
um, to more deals, I mean, sometimes it kind of weighs itself out. Uh, but you have to make sure that it's a pretty big fish. I mean, you don't want to be spending a lot of time and man hours on something that's not going to bring in cash. So you got to also look at your cash statements, your P&Ls, and make sure you can understand that if I do spend all of this time, I do spend all this effort, uh, it's got to be worth it in the long run. So just make sure that you're currently stable. A lot of startups, you're going to have a very difficult time doing that, and it could run you into the ground early. So make sure that you're stabilized with uh, cash in the door right now. Yep, absolutely. So guys, we're going to get into packaging sales, uh, upselling. Um, but before I do that, I want to talk about just being unreasonable. Whatever your industry standards are, don't take them for gospel. If, you, if your answer to any question is, well, that's just how our industry works. That's just how people in our industry do things. If you want to lead an average life, go do what everyone else in your industry is doing. In our last podcast for sales, we talked about go fish where there's less fishermen. Go play ball in the arena where there's less people competing. So if you try to conduct your business the same as everybody else in your industry, you're going to be competing for the same low-hanging fruit, the same customers, and you're going to be playing by the same set of rules. Be unreasonable. When you start thinking of some of these principles, if you're gut response is, well, that's just how our industry is. That's just how our business is. That's just how things are. Challenge that. Okay. Now, that being said, let's talk about packaging. Packaging is one of the single greatest things that we can do in our industry. But if you think about it, anytime you go out to dinner, you're going to get a drink with dinner, right? You're going to go through the McDonald's drive-thru. You're getting a burger and fries and a Coke, right? Why do those things have to happen? Well, that's become the industry standard now. But at one time, somebody could just go through and just buy a burger, right? Or just buy fries. No, now you need the burger. You need the fries. You need the Coke. That's your extra value meal. What in your business is the extra value meal? If I am just selling steel, how can I then follow it up with another product, with a service plan, with something else? Here's another thing. Anytime you go to Best Buy and you're buying a TV, a, a MacBook, whatever it is, they almost always offer the service plan. Before they even get those words out of their mouth, I'm like, sorry, dude, don't need the service plan. However, if that guy who has already sold me the MacBook, he already has me hook, line, and sinker, before trying to sell me the service plan, he should say, okay, sir, here's what we've got. Here's your MacBook. Quality of life on these is eight years. You know, These are the problems that you might face down the road, blah, blah, blah. And he starts planting those seeds in my head. Guess what? Now I'm thinking about the service plan. Maybe I'm going to ask him for the service plan. You need to start prefacing some of these things. So when you're trying to package things together, lead the horse to water. You may not always be able to get them to drink, but if you just tell them, hey, by the way, for an extra $300, you can spend this on a service plan, you're not going to sell very many service plans. However, if you've already sold me that MacBook and I'm already committed to this product, start telling me some of the things that could go wrong. Hey, talking about losing your data if your hard drive goes bad. MacBooks are a great quality product. However, they've been known to have issues with the screen. Whatever it is, whatever your product is, right? Package it in. Another thing, say you're a realtor. Here's another great example. You just sold somebody a house. Why could you not already have a partnership with a home warranty company and then have that added on, right? Now you're adding value to another partner who's a home warranty company. You might be getting a bigger commission, but also more importantly, you're adding value to your customer. Hey, I know you just bought this house in an old part of town. These are beautiful old homes, but with old homes come issues. Why not protect yourself with a home warranty plan? Think about this, guys. Start looking outside of your box. If your industry traditionally offers one product, don't just make the sale and move on. Figure out other ways to add value to your customer that in turn create profits for your bottom line. Yeah, I 
you couldn't say it better there from uh, from a few different examples. Um, I'd, I'd like to talk about literally something that happened over the weekend. Um, we have one of our high profile sales guys that came in the door and they're very upset with uh, some of these introductions because I couldn't get one of our partners to close the deals. And we just start talking, we getting getting through the uh, conversation and He's just like, well, they they weren't closing the deals because we're offering them X, Y, and Z. I was like, well, Dave, did you understand what they needed? I, I did anyone ask them what they even needed? And that question was even not even brought to the table. Um, they told them what we can do, right? Instead of sometimes you got to go ask your client, hey, what are your gaps right now? So I, I again, I live in professional services. And a lot in the HCM space, and uh, which is human capital management, everyone has a gap there. And no one even had the idea to ask the question, hey, where are your gaps? What are your misunderstandings? Where are your biggest issues right now? Maybe if you have a little bit better understanding with your clients, you can actually sell them better too, right? You talk a lot about the product world and how you can lead that horse to water, right? Sometimes we have to understand you know, who we're even identifying right now and who we're going to get to. And that's, that's, again, that's before closing, but even after closing, you talk to them and you try to just shove these products down their throat. And some of them, they get pitched this day in and day out. I, I literally, every single day they're hearing from someone else. So sometimes it's asking the questions, getting them to talk and saying, what, how can we help you guys? You know, uh, we do have specialties in here, but let it, get them talking so you can understand what the problem is. That's exactly right. We talked about that in the last podcast. No one knows their needs better than they do. You could walk in with a product that will make them so much money, but if that's not where they're focused, they're probably not even going to pay attention to you, right? It, it's the same thing as if you're going out and I'm looking for ice cream, but somebody's trying to sell me water ice. Hey, cool guy. Could be awesome water ice. I want ice cream. I'm not looking for that. So again, focus on what your customer wants deliver and then figure out how you can take that a step further. And the best way to do that is by preparing before the meeting. If you can get an idea of what they need before the meeting, it gives you a better idea of having those next steps lined up so you can package in better things. Let me take it back to what we were talking about. When packaging, why this is effective. Once you've already landed a sale on a customer, again, the probability of selling to an existing customer is 60 to 70%. Your, your rate of success is going to be so much higher than coming back after the fact or if you're just somebody trying to sell those home warranties or that service plan, right? So package it in. And a lot of times, if you have enough margin in the first product, you have a little bit of room to kind of move margins between the two to try to get a second sale. And now overall, you're making more margin with the same amount of, of effort into a customer. So that's packaging. Now, upselling. Upselling is where somebody comes in to uh, look at the entry-level model of a car or the entry-level floor plan of a house or somebody's coming to look at one piece of granite that's on sale, but now you're taking them to see the nicer piece of granite. You're saying, hey, I know you came here to, to look at the Kia, but you know what? Why not sit in this Mercedes and just see how it feels, right? Oh, I know you came to look at this mattress we have on sale, but come come lay on this Tempur-Pedic. You know, just see how this feels. This is something where essentially you're bringing somebody in and it's not a, a bait and switch type product. That's just unethical sales. It is, hey, I know I, I'm definitely going to sell you this product, but why not take a look at this? Or, hey, I've got a thousand tons of steel for you, but why not look at 5,000 tons and that'll save you on your purchases for the next few months. Make sure you're always focusing on upselling. Don't just be settling. Don't, you know, be unreasonable. Don't just take the bottom sale Figure out ways where you can add more value with a, a higher quality product, with a higher margin product, something that's going to benefit your customer more 
always, always ask. It's so much easier when they're already there and interested in what you have to sell or whatever product you've already sold them. And that's another thing too. Maybe you already sold them that mattress and they're coming to pick it up. Have them come lay on the Tempur-Pedic. Maybe they've already bought the Kia, but you're like, hey, I want you to sit in on this Mercedes. Whatever it is, make sure you're taking advantage of trying to, to get them in a higher quality product because they might just be happier with that purchase too, right? Next, so we're talking about packaging sales. We're talking about upselling. To follow up on this is creating the wow factor, creating that next level uh, customer service experience. 82% of consumers in the US said they stopped doing business with a company due to poor customer service. Companies lose 71% of consumers due to poor customer service. 68% of customers will leave you because they think you don't matter to them. I'm going to use a few examples. If you've bought a house, a condo, an apartment, a car, a, a major purchase, how many times do you sit there, you go through all the paperwork, you're nervous, you're sweating, this is a big moment for you, you're about to spend a lot of money, you're unsure of your purchase, and as soon as you're done, they hand you the keys, it's almost like, hey, smell you later, I got another closing in 20 minutes, or hey, I got to get out of here and go sell another car. You don't feel significant. Or how many of us have had that experience where your realtor showed up with that bottle of champagne or they already put it in the fridge in your house and there's a gift basket on there, right? Or there's a $100 gift card to Lowe's. I know that realtor is making thousands of dollars on that commission, but they took an extra $100, $150 out of that purchase to make me feel so special to them. You better believe when I go to sell that house, the next time I'm going to buy a house, Anytime a friend of mine needs a realtor referral, I'm giving a glowing review of that person. And that was such a small margin of what they made. My guy, Nick, selling Teslas at Easton. Nick, all of your customers who you've sold Teslas to, how many of those could you call and say, hey, Mr. Stevenson, I'm just calling to check up on your Tesla, see how your service has been. Is there anything I can do to, to make your business a, a five-star experience? They're going to tell you whatever they're going to tell you. Then you follow up. Well, Mr. Stevenson, that's great to hear. Do you have any friends who are interested in Teslas? Anybody that comes to mind who loves the car that I sold you? If anyone buys a Tesla, I'll be sure to, to go buy you a brand new windbreaker, a Tesla windbreaker out of my own pocket, or to send you a nice little care package, whatever that is. You've got a customer you've already sold to. So they're, they're again, 60 to 70% more likely to make another purchase. He's either going to give you a referral of somebody who's complimented his car, somebody he knows who's looking for a car. So now you're going to be talking to somebody who's interested. Or Mr. Stevenson might be looking to upgrade or buy his second car. And if you're going to go make two, three, five, ten thousand $10,000 commission on that car, and you're going to spend 50 to 60 bucks for that referral, that sounds like a pretty sweet trade for me, right? I'm going to go out of my pocket and buy a windbreaker. And guess what? Nobody else on my sales team is going to do that. No one's even going to think to do that. But for that 60 to 70 bucks, I just got a $5,000 commission check. For that 60 to 70 bucks, I just got two new referrals. For that 60 to 70 bucks, anytime Mr. Stevenson's going to recommend somebody, he's going to say, hey, go see my boy Nick at Tesla of Easton and buy a car from him. So again, guys, these are ways to create that wow factor that are so small that almost nobody thinks about. Whatever your industry is, go above and beyond. These customers that you're selling to, they will be back or they are gonna be an awesome contact six months from now, a year from now, whatever that is to be a referral to you. These are the wow experiences we're talking about where you're getting customers in the door, you're getting repeat customers, and you're getting people talking about your business in a positive way, they're gonna bring you more business. What do you got, Ray? Yeah, yeah, so 
That's that's awesome. You couldn't say it any better. Um, guys, it's about the action that he talks about. So how the hell do you keep track of it? You are one person. You're five people early on in a early startup trying to do so many different things. You're doing accounting one day. How do you follow up with this customer? How do you track it? How do you uh, make sure that this quality that we talk about, because it is something that every company has to have, you'll lose your customers immediately. There's no doubt about that. How do you keep track of it, right? So there's a few different things that we do, um, whether it's through HubSpot, which is our CRM, of making sure we create actionable items for our people to um, <clears throat> follow up on it, or we use a product called ClickUp, which is really designed for customer success management. Uh, we create um, tasks in there that are going to help and make sure that you follow up with them and you get reminders on it because you're going to get busy. You're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to be working on different parts of your business early on. And if you don't have a dedicated person to it, you need to make sure that you're tracking it and making sure you understand, again, what your customer called in three days about, oh man, I don't remember. I didn't track it. Or I didn't, I didn't do this. Um, or I didn't follow up with uh, our success manager over here to make sure that we follow up on this task. So Make sure that you have a process to find the process early and kind of work on it because it's not going to be perfect off the beginning, but I cannot stress that enough because it will drive you crazy and you're going to start to decline in your business if you're not taking care of your existing customers, right? Your cash is going to be bad and you got to make sure that you follow up with your customers. There's just uh, no other way to say it and do everything Kyle just said, but make sure that you write it down and make sure you have actionable items for your employees that you have assigned or for yourself to make sure that uh, this business stays afloat because you're building that foundation early on. Without these guys, without making sure you keep your early customers, you're going to be in trouble. So make sure that you track it. Uh, again, we use a product called ClickUp. Great. It's a ton of freemium uh, additions to where you can assign, you can really create uh, your customer profiles in there. You can track notes, understanding what they needed, how you took care of them. You can even send them progress of what you've done for these guys. Uh, just so they have a better feeling like, hey, these guys are worth the value they're bringing to me. So um, great product. And then again, uh, we talk about HubSpot a lot or Zoho CRM. There's a lot of ways that you can track it. Just make sure you get it down and you have action uh, aside those things. All right. So just like you're saying, so CRM is so important because the, the greatest strength of a salesman are their book of business, their relationships. But guess what? If you own the company and your salesman leaves and there's no CRM software tracking, hey, Steve at ABC Recycling loves NASCAR. He's got two daughters in college and he's a huge fan of fishing. Like all that stuff is incredibly important. Thanks. And, uh, Sorry, following up on some statistics, but but that's exactly right. Now, if you are the salesman, like again, that that CRM is going to be so important. So whether you leave for another company, you go off on your own, like that is your holy bible of sales. And guys, if we if we bring all of this back together, at the end of the day, the point we're trying to make is once you've landed that fish from our last podcast episode, how we tell you to get the fish. Once you've landed them, they are your they're your greatest resource. So many people are so focused on new sales when they don't think about going back to their existing customers to see if they can package in another sale, they can upsell them, they can resell them, or they can turn them into an extremely valuable referral. So guys, again, the cost of retaining a customer is so much lower, so much easier than going out and acquiring a new customer. You got to be doing both, but make sure you're providing that wow factor. Make sure you're being unreasonable in your business. Do not take, this is what my industry standard is. This is what our business practices are. 
be unreasonable in that. Think about how you can package things with what you're already selling, how you can package service programs, other products, even other third-party products that you can get a commission on or build a relationship with. Or guess what? You want to go get a customer? Go find a way to get him customers or get add-on sales for him. And then now you're adding value to his business and you're probably going to land at least a meeting, if not a new customer from that. So hope this helps. Leave it in the comments. We'd love to hear from you on what's working for you, how your business might be different, and we'd be happy to answer some of those questions. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Lucrative Lessons. We hope you learned something today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes. If we earned your five-star review, please leave one. Helps for visibility. Also, you can check out more at llpcast.com. All proceeds go to our 501c3 nonprofit, the Make-A-Day Foundation, where you can find more at makeaday.fun. We'll catch you next time.